Come on, that's a good place to worship right there. That's a good place to worship right there. That's a good place to worship. Come on, I don't want to have to pump you or prime you this morning, but that's a good place to reflect upon his goodness. Woo! To reflect upon his grace. You get the glory. You take the honor. <laughs> Psalmist declared, lift up your head, O ye gates. And be ye lifted up the everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Somebody asked the question, who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Lift up your hands. Come on, come on. Lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Come on. We got to get the house together. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Come on. It's heavy in here this morning. Lift up your head. Lift up your voice. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. <laughs> come on, raise your voice. 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 Come on, raise your voice. Even if you're watching online, raise your voice. Come on. Come on. Come on. Make an exchange this morning. Put on the garment of praise for, for the spirit of heaviness. Come on. Lift up your voice. Lift up your praise. Come on. You may not feel like it, but the Bible says give him a sacrifice of praise. Command your soul to praise him. Command your hands to clap. Command your legs to stand strong. Command your voice to open up like the sound of a trumpet. We're going to get to the word, but we got to get the house together. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, it's a sacrifice this morning. It's a push this morning. Come on, command yourself to praise him. Command yourself to worship him. Command yourself to give him the praise. Command your lips to declare, he is good and he's still God. He is good and he's still God. Come on, 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 come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Give it to him. We're not saying about it, but there needs to be an action on it. Come on, you take the glory. You take the honor. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. My, 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 my. My, 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 my. I love it. I'm going to say it again. He's still good and he's still God. <laughs> he's still good and he's still God. Even with tears coming down your face, he's still good. And he's still God. When things have said, when he said no, he's still good. And he's still God. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He's still good. And he's still God. He's still good. And he's still God. Come on and put those hands together like thunder. Let it sound like thunder in the house. <laughs> Come on, put those hands together real good. Make it sound like thunder. He's still good. And he's still God. He's still good. And he's still God. He's still good. And he is still God. So many doors you've opened. So many ways you've made. <laughs> oh, you've been, you've been, you've been, you've been so good. You've been so good. You've been so good. You've been so good. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. You, you've been so good. So many doors you've opened. So many ways you've made. So many times you've healed me. I gotta tell you, thank you.
We love you. We love you. We magnify you. And we adore you. You've been better to us than we've been to ourselves. If we had 10,000 tongues, it wouldn't be enough to tell you thank you. We could know every language possible, but it wouldn't be enough to tell you thank you. your Bibles, go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Sister Deborah, if you can look in that box back there and, and, and pass me a, a plastic glove, I need a glove. COVID hinders so many ways of doing ministry, but we got to get creative. You, my dear, right here in the white shirt with the gray pants right there. I want to pray for you. Come here. I want to pray for you. Mask and all. Gloves and all. We're going we gonna to do it. 
It should be on that back table. It should be. Oh, you got one. You got one. You got one. Ford, get some gloves on. I want you to stand behind her. Come on, the Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. You ain't got to know what it is. The Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice. <laughs> Don't you ever pray small another day in your life. Don't you ever pray small another day in your life. Don't you ever pray small another day in your life. For you serve a big God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. We can ever ask, think, or wish. God, my, 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 you right there in the orange shirt, come here, come here, come here, give me another glove, give me another glove, I got to invest in a different type of glove.
Come on, put those hands together like thunder. Oh, God. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. 6 through 7. Philippians 4. 6 through 7. Philippians 4. 6 through 7. I tell you, Bishop Gunn, we've, COVID has presented us an opportunity for us to be in and out of church, that we have made church more about our preferences, more about the spirit having this way. Somebody's going to have an attitude that we're not out by 1115, but it makes a difference. We make no apologies for this is not our service, but this is his house yes. and his service. All right, say it. So, in other words, Reverend Goodwin, you don't get to come to my house and tell me what you're going to do. I dictate at my house what we're going to do at my house. And it's the same way with the house of God. We don't get to come in with programs and agendas and say, oh, God, you cut off at this time. No, 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 no. We make space for God to be able to come in and throw his weight around and do what he wants to do and say what he wants to say and move how he wants to move. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. This is going to bless somebody this morning. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, his peace, his peace will guard our hearts. His peace will guard our hearts. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I like what Eugene Peterson, how he put it in the message, Bible. He says, don't fret or worry. Uh-huh. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. In fact, before you know it, in a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're in part two of a series that we started last week entitled Feelings. Everybody say feelings. Oh, yeah, you started singing a Jasmine Sullivan song as soon as you said that. Amen. It's okay. It's okay. I know you did. I did it too. Feelings. And so we've been understanding and realizing that, listen, Jesus Christ is not just concerned about our souls. He's not just concerned about us making it to heaven. He's, he's concerned about helping us to be able to manage down here on earth as well. He, he's concerned. Let me say it again. He's not just concerned or limited, Sister Brian, at making sure that we make it to heaven, but he is concerned concern about how he can be able to help us to be able to navigate here on earth and one of those spaces that we have to make sure as believers that we make room for God is when it comes to our feelings yeah 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 he he is concerned about every intricate detail of our lives he is concerned about our anxiety he is concerned about us being overwhelmed he is concerned about us not not being able to forgive he's concerned about us holding grudges he's concerned about every intricate details of our lives. David even said the best. He knows everything about me. David said, listen, you know when I'm about to sit down. You know when I'm about to rise up. You know everything about me. So as believers, it's safe to say that since he knows everything about us, there is no need of us, of us trying to hide from him. David said, I can't even try to hide. I try to go and hide from you, but you are already there before I even get there. He realizes that there is no place in our lives that we can go that God is not already there. And even when it comes to our feelings, God is concerned. Last week we looked at, we looked at, I'm feeling overwhelmed. We looked at Psalm 61 when the psalmist David wrote, he said, listen, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. I like that. I like what David says there because in leading him to that, to that rock, um, Deacon, um, Deacon Scott, it's so vital and so important that we understand he's not just talking about some little rock that you may pick up outside from the island, but he's talking about a boulder, something that you can be able to stand on that can 
can be able to hold the capacity of your weight, of your issues, of your concerns, of your anxieties, of your worries, of your cares, but not just a rock that can be able to be a place of refuge and a place of protection, but a place where you can be able to step up and gain a different outlook and a perspective about what's going on. One of my mentors, Pastor Clarence Thor Sr., he says this, that we could be able to make it almost through anything when we have the right perspective. When we're able to admit, okay, I'm overwhelmed because I like what David does. David recognizes the fact that there's nothing wrong with us being saved and acknowledging I'm overwhelmed. David realized, hey, there's nothing wrong with you acknowledging the fact the problem and the issues become and happen when we live there and stay there. Feelings have a way of impacting our moods. Oh, boy, we were just praising and praising God, but now that I got a holy hush in the church, that means I done stepped on somebody's toes. Amen. The Holy Ghost done did that. And so, and, and so when our feelings, the problem becomes, Brother Simon, when it becomes to impact our moods. If you are overwhelmed, you're going to be very impatient. You're going to be very on edge. You, 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 you're going to be quick and snappy in your responses because you have so much that you're carrying. You have so much that's going on in your life. And sometimes you don't even know how to make sense of everything that's going on. And you don't even know how to articulate and say, this is why I'm overwhelmed. All that happens is it comes out in our mood and how we deal with people and how people deal with us. And what ends up happening is that we take out how we feel on those that love us the most. Because we know if it's just a joker on the street and you come at them the wrong way, they're going to curse you clean out. But if it's someone that loves you a whole lot, they, they, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna pull back from responding to you in the way that you came at them. They're, they're going to be more very gracious. They're going to grin and bear it for only so long. But our feelings, when they are not dealt with, will impact our feelings. Moves. Have you ever been around somebody, whether in church, on your job, in your house, that was just always living in the constant mode of moodiness? And you're thinking to yourself, do you ever have a good day? Oh, my gosh. Do you, do you ever smile? Does anything ever go your way? Do you, do you ever find a reason to be able to rejoice about anything? If we are not careful, our feelings will impact our relationships whether they've loved you with the love of Jesus Christ himself, they can only put up with so much. Because that moodiness would then begin to turn, and then it would become to turn into rage and anger, all because we don't know how to filter and how to make sense of what's going on on the inside. That's why it is so important. Paul encourages us here to be able to pray, but I'm going to take it a step further. That's why it's so important, just like we call everybody else, that we have a therapist or a counselor as well as prayer. Oh, I can't get no help in here today. That can be able to be someone from the outside that can be able to take a deeper look what's going on on the inside and help us through wisdom and guidance on how to navigate this thing, the feelings that we have going on on the inside. Why? Because if we don't get it together, we're going to end up ruining some awesome relationships. Oh, I know I'm talking. I'm talking better than y'all talking back to me this morning, but it's all good. Here. Paul deals with something that all of us in this room deal with on a consistent basis. I Google, you know, if you ever want to find out anything, you just ask Google. And Google has all the answers for the world. And I looked up what are the top 10 things that Americans are anxious about in 2021. From July of 2021, top three things that people were worried about. One was COVID-19. Two was job security. And three was just the future and money. Concerned about COVID-19, am I going to get it? If I get it, what's going to happen? Will I die from it? 
concerned about the future. Where am I going to be in five years? I thought I was going to be here at this year. I thought this was going to be my year. I named it and claimed it. I slapped it and grabbed it and did all of that. And yet still I'm in the same perpetual place that I was two years ago. Concern about money and how you're going to make it. Wait a minute, unemployment doesn't stop now. Oh my gosh, we're not getting these extensions. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? There are no more, no more money that the government is going to be giving us. What am I going to do? How will I provide? Real issues that will have the potential to wear us down. Paul, which when I get to heaven, I'm going to high-five him and fist-bump him because there won't be no, no COVID-19 in heaven, so I'm going to hug him and fist-bump him. And I'm going to say, Paul, how in the world do you sit in prison and write letters encouraging people that are not in prison. How, 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 how could you have enough unction to sit there in, in behind a jail cell where you have guards watching you morning, noon, and night, making sure you don't get out, Reverend Goodwin, making sure that you stay right where you are, but you pin letters, multiple letters. He writes this to the church of Philippi while he's in prison, and the theme that Paul is going for it's joy. <laughs> Woo, Paul says, hey, I got to write a letter to these saints to help them to realize that your joy cannot be predicated on external circumstances, but your joy has to be predicated on some internal stuff, which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. And let me tell you something, just as Paul is saying that to the church of Philippi thousands of years ago, it still rings high and well for today because we have saints of God that have walked with the Lord for centuries that will allow for the joy to be robbed by external circumstances. Could it be Bishop God that we have too much now in our world? But when you go back to the old church and you talk about you talk to the old saints, they knew how to have joy in a small shotgun church with no air, multiple service, church fans, and with praise and magnify God going through hell out there singing songs in the cotton field, picking cotton, and still will go and praise God. They realize my joy is not predicated on what's going on on the inside. My joy is predicated on the one that is keeping me as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It is time for us as believers of Jesus Christ to grow up and to realize I'm not going to let my joy be robbed by money. I'm not going to let my joy be robbed by relationships. I'm going to let my joy rest in the hands of the man that created the world. He writes this. He shares his word of encouragement. He says, I like it. Verse 4. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And he said, okay, y'all didn't hear me that first time, so I'm going to say it again. Always be full of joy in the Lord. He reminds them once again, your joy is not based on external stuff, but your joy got to be based on something that you have on the inside. Pastor, what do you mean? Oh, because here it is, thanks to God. If you have not experienced it yet, just keep on living. Keep on living. My mama used to say it all the time. Just keep on living a little bit farther, Chip. Keep going down the road a little bit longer, and you will face some things in your life that will literally try to rob you of your mind, rob you of your peace, and you will have to find a rock that you can be able to lean and depend on to be able to help you to navigate what you're having to go through. And let me tell 
tell you this morning, just in case you don't know who this rock I'm talking about is, his name is Jesus, the soon coming king, the great Jehovah, the bishops of souls, the one that will help you to navigate through whatever you face in life. He says your joy cannot be predicated on external stuff, but your joy must be predicated on what's going on the inside and not so much about what's going on on the inside, but the one that's keeping you on the inside. God is the one that can be able to keep you together when all hell is going on all around you. God is the one that will keep you in perfect peace when your home is chaotic. God is the one that can keep you in perfect peace when your mind is going crazy. God is the one that can keep you in perfect peace when your marriage is in shambles. God is the one that can keep you in perfect peace when your money is funny and your change is strange. God is the one that can keep you when your kids have lost their mind. God is the one that can keep you when you've got denial letter after denial letter. God is the one that will keep you wrapped in tight together. Uh, don't lose your shout. He'll keep you together as long as you keep yourself in him. <laughs> Oh, you can't miss that. You can't miss that. You can't miss that. You can't miss that. He says, he says, always be full of joy. And he says, I say it again, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all that he's done. Let me give us a working definition of anxiety. Anxiety is when fear moves from a moment in life to a mode of living. Anxiety is when fear moves from a moment in life to a mode in living. Anxiety is when we become the executive producers of an Academy Award in our mind with great details all we already know because so and this happened to so and so they was in the same situation as me oh my gosh and this looks so similar to them so I already know what's about to happen it happened to them I know that it's going to happen to me and what we do is we allow for one situation to cause us to transition our entire lifestyle and now anxiety becomes the mode that we live in. Now, anxiety, thank you Holy Ghost, becomes a God that we worship. Because instead of running to the rock, instead of us looking to him when we are overwhelmed, we put so much weight and we put so much responsibility and we give so much attention to the anxiety instead of the God who is greater than our anxiety. And we live in constant fear and in constant worry causing us to miss out on moments with family and friends, causing us to miss out on life-changing moments because every step that we make or don't make is based and rooted in fear. And now we wonder why our children are emotionally bankrupt. Because they live in a house where everything, they're scared to move, they're scared to do this, they're scared to do that. Almost like the movie Eve's Value when the little girl thought, uh, uh, the mom thought that she was going to get killed because somebody, I can't remember the whole story. I just stopped right there because I'm messing it up. But you all get what I'm saying. You, our kids will begin to take on what the culture of the house, our children will become to work and be in that same mode where they're constantly in fear. They're scared to do this. They're scared to do that which now one moment has not just changed one person, but one moment has now changed an entire culture. Well, fear, worry, and anxiety is the norm. Paul, through the inspiration of the Lord, shares with us God's remedy for anxiety. He shares with us what we are to do when we are feeling 
anxious. What do we got to do when we're worried? What we ought to do when we don't know what to do? Here it is. God's remedy for anxiety. Here it is. Number one, Paul says, put off anxiety. <laughs> That's what he says. He's, he says, in so many words, Paul is challenging us to put off anxiety. Pastor, how do I put off anxiety? Once we begin to investigate this thing and begin to get to the root of it, we realize this, that the root of most anxiety, get this, y'all, is lack of faith and trust and focus in God. When we look at the root, Reverend Williams, of anxiety, it's a lack of trust and focus in God. I love when the saints talk back to me when I'm preaching. Here it is. When you look at Matthew chapter 6, I like this. This blesses me every time. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says this. Jesus says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. He says, isn't life more than food, your body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest. Or stole food and bars for your heavenly father, feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their own clothing. Yet Solomon, all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow. He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father always knows your needs. He says, put off anxiety because here it is. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Here it is. When we as believers of Jesus Christ walk in constant and consistent worry and anxiety, it is bad publicity for God. If Carrie and Kenny was to go out, walk around, hair be all messed up, clothes looking all raggedy, and just looking like they don't know where their next meal is going to come from, I will be offended. I will be offended as a father because as their father, they wouldn't have to live in that way. They wouldn't have to operate in that way, Dr. King. They would not have to move in that type of way because as a father, I am one that's going to ensure and make sure that they have everything that they need. In fact, before they even need it, I'm almost done. I've already done made provisions for whatever it is that they need. When we as children of God walk in consistent worry and anxiety, it makes our Father look bad. And it causes unbelievers to stand there and say, why would I serve that God? And they walking around acting like they don't know what they're going to do, what they're going to eat, where they're going to live. No, 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 no. As believers of Jesus Christ, we don't live or operate in worry and anxiety. We put worry and anxiety to the fact, to the back. Why? We serve a good Father. We serve a Father that does not just make weekend visits we serve a God that will never leave us nor forsake us. We serve a good father that will provide every need for their children. And when we get our backs up against the wall and don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, that's a good place for us to say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this because I know daddy already has a plan. I wish somebody would help me this morning in realizing that he already has a plan of how he's going to get you out and how he's going to fix this thing so that he can be able to get the glory and the honor. Makes God look bad. It doesn't make him look attractive to unbelievers. Why would they want to serve a God that ain't meeting your needs or providing for you? When in essence, sometimes, thank you, Holy Ghost, it's not that God has not shown up. It's not that God has not made provisions. It's that we have been poor stewards. Oh, God. Of what God has put 
in our hands. He says, put off, put off, put off. Somebody say, put off, put off, put off, put off anxiety. We have to take a look at this thing. Hey, 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 am I anxious because I'm lacking trust in God? Am I anxious because I've taken my focus off of God and I'm putting more on my situation and magnifying my problem more than I'm magnifying God? You worried about your grown kids out here making grown decisions. Losing sleep, don't know what to do, pacing the floor, can't eat, can't sleep. You can't even concentrate on Facebook so much because you're just nervous trying to figure out what your grown kids are doing and making grown decisions. Let me help you get free tonight. You sleep well tonight. You said, God, you gave them to me. They're not mine. They belong to you. So I'm putting them back in your hands. Heavenly Father, I'm going to sleep. In fact, I'm taking myself out to Red Lobster. It's all you can eat stream. Amen. And I'm going to have a good time and I'm going to sleep well tonight you have to put it off and re-anchor yourself in your trust and in your focus with God here it is saints of God we got to grow up we got to grow up and we have to get to a place that we don't wait for some life coach to come and inspire us and get us ready you have to become your own coach and tell yourself get yourself together get up get up get yourself together we done been here before we done seen tough times before and if we look at God's track record he's made a way out of no way every time he's bucked down doors he's made doors he's done all of that and if I serve the same God that I served back then if he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, surely he will never leave me nor forsake me or abandon me here now. So I'm going to put my focus back on him and I'm going to put my trust back in him. The problem sometimes while we're overwhelmed with anxiety and worry. Could it be could your anxiety, could our anxiety be linked to us being on the throne of our lives instead of Christ? Could it be that we have become our own many gods in our life and we're basing everything off of us? What I'm going to do. How we going to get through this? What plans I'm going to have? No. No, no, no. Paul said that it is when we are weak when his strength is made perfect. It's when we are weak that he wants to use our weakness as a platform for his grandeur and his bigness and his strength to be manifested in our lives where the question has not become, God, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? The question then becomes, God, what are you going to do? How? That's when, saints of God, that we have to find that rock to take us up a little bit higher so that our perspective can change. We got to see it differently. Too many believers walking around here with the victim mentality and you got a sad story that you're sharing on social media when you really should put that in your prayer journal and take it to the Lord in prayer. You put it out there on social media, you get convicted and take it down, but by the time you don't take it down, somebody done already screenshot it and passed it around. But they was just shouting in church. Our pastor couldn't even preach because they were just rolling underneath the pew in the back. They done baptized themselves, and they didn't even know water in the baptism pool. We couldn't sit them down in the church. But here they are with this long, sad story. Making God look bad. We failed to go back and look at how God made a way. And we failed to go back and to testify what he has done. <laughs> Can I tell you something? You will know how much you have grown spiritually when God tells you no. You will know how much you have grown spiritually when God says not yet. Do you still stand in that same confidence as if God has said yes? Or do you fold your arms like Kenny and says, Daddy, that's rude. 
you will know how much you have matured spiritually when you don't get your way with the Father. He says, could it be that our anxiety is linked to us being on the thrones of our lives rather than Christ? Let me hurry up and get out of here. He says, okay, I need you to put off anxiety. But then his other, his second remedy with this, he says, I want you to practice prayer. Oh, but not just practice prayer. Look at what the apostle says in verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything except pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. So Paul is saying, okay, here, saints of God, I want you to practice prayer with purposeful thanksgiving. In, in, I believe it's in the Old Testament when it says make your request be known to God. And that word request in the Greek means to have a face-to-face. That when we pray to God, we have a face-to-face conversation with God. Here is here, here's what we mess up with prayer. We come in, and we come in with our own agenda. We come in with our own list. We come in with our own deadlines. Okay, God, I need you to move like this. I need you to move in this direction by 2 o'clock tomorrow. If you are God, if you are true, if you are strong, if you are big, if you are bad, you can move tomorrow by 2 p.m. Now, 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 realize you ain't talked to God since the pandemic started. We've been in the p- pandemic almost two years. And you ain't said nothing to him. But now, when trouble comes your way, now we want to put this demand upon God where we fail to realize that before we come before God, telling him anything or how we want him to move, when we want him to move, that we are coming before a holy and righteous God. There is no way I would walk into the palace in the king in, in, in England and just come before the queen any type of way with my long list of what I need. No, I would have to come with reverence. I would have to come with your majesty. I I will have to come praising her for who she is. Before we come to God with our list, we have to acknowledge that he is a holy and righteous God. That he is not just the king. He's the king of kings. He's not just Lord. He's Lord of lords. So when I come before him, even all that I need him to do in my life, I have to acknowledge God. You are great and I'm not deserving of being in your presence. The only way I have access to you it's by the blood of your son that made access for me to come to you he says we gotta we gotta come face to face with God and getting him involved in our affairs but I like what Paul says but not just pray to him but you gotta thank him for what he's done <laughs> but, 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 brother, Reverend, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like thanking him. Paul says it's not about a feeling. It's not a feeling that we get to, that we're waiting. When I feel like being thankful, then I'll go ahead and thank him. No, no, no. It's not a feeling. It's a command that we live as a lifestyle that we have to do. When I don't want to do it, I have to make myself say thank you. Pastor Henderson came a few months ago. He preached. can't remember the exact title, but it was about trying again, going out there again. My wife and I, we've been trying to sell our home for the past, I don't know how many years. Put it on the market three times. Three times we put it on the market. Discouraged. One, two, discouraged after that. I said, forget it. I said, I guess we're going to be here forever. We got enough. We can build out. We can do other little stuff with it. Just frustrated. Man. Everybody, house selling, doing a house won't we get maybe one person come look at it, just peek at it. Uh, yeah. They playing peekaboo with the house. I, I need you to buy it. Brittany said, you know what? She said, listen, let's go ahead and put it again. I said, listen, you you call the real estate agent because I ain't doing it. I'm mad. Put it up. Put it up on a Wednesday. Sit here in the office on a Thursday. Real the text. He said, hey, somebody wants to come look at your house. I said, when? 
He said tomorrow, boy, I put them books down, Bishop. I ran out the door. I ran to Walmart, got some boxes. By the time I got to the house, Brittany was already put. I mean, we just throwing stuff in boxes to make it showing. I mean, we'll put it in the shed. We'll filter through all the other stuff later, put it in the shed. Bam. He said, listen, okay, we got a showing on Thursday, but we got somebody else that wants to come and see the house on, on Thursday as well. I said, well, what time do they want to come? He said, they want to come Thursday afternoon. I said, cool. So we're getting together, getting the house together. He texts back again. He said, listen, I got a third show. I said, when they want to come? He said, okay, they want to come at this certain amount of time. I said, hey. I said, listen, they can, they can, you can show the house all day on Friday. We will be out the house. We will go shop and do whatever. You have your way, sir, and do what you want to do. So we're driving back. We're driving back in town, and they're just saying, he's, we're just talking, just, man, it's exciting. I said, but I don't want to get my hopes too up because I want to get my hopes up because we done been here before and ain't nothing happened. He texts back. He said, listen, I got two offers on the house. I said, you said what? <laughs> I said, Brother Deacon, what the numbers looking like? What, 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 what they saying? What they saying with the numbers? He said, well, we got two options. One came in. I said, listen, this is, I, I may not know calculus, but I know adding and subtracting. Which one is higher? <laughs> Told him. Gave us the offer, which was exactly what we were asking for. Got the offer. Started looking. I said, okay, okay, okay. Started looking, started looking, started looking. Brittany has showed me a house. I was like, ah, I ain't really feeling that. Realtor comes back, showed me a house. I said, man, that's a nice house. Brittany said, that's the same house I showed you. I said, what? <laughs> I said, woman of God, when did you send me this picture? Go see the house, read the house. I said, yeah. I said, listen, we can, we can, this will work. We, girls can go to prom from here. They come home with their kids later on down the road. We put the offer in on the house. They accept the other. We come back and count them. We set an offer for the house. Reverend Goodman, we all good, all good. This past week was the week of closing. All was well. Week of closing, week of closing, week of closing. So, we get to Wednesday. Sends the text. I'm at work. He says, call me when you get a chance. It ain't good when the realtor says, call me when you get a chance. <laughs> he says, the appraisal came back lower than what you had offered on the house. And let me throw this in there. I'm not sharing this to brag. I'm sharing this to talk about to brag on God, not on myself. just want to put that out there because I know how folks will take a snippet from what you put on social media and put it out there. Look at the preacher bragging. I'm bragging about God, bragging about God, bragging about God, bragging about God. I want to keep saying this so they can catch that part. So comes back. He says the appraisal came back lower than your offer. I says, okay, so what, what, do you, what does that mean? He said, well, you can either pull out or you can pay the difference. I said, well, Brother Deacon, we're days away <laughs> from having to vacate the house. Mind you, we had just sealed the deal, signed the papers to close on our current home with a deadline to be out by Friday at 1 p.m. So he's talking. I said, okay, okay. Well, what's the difference that we will have to pay? The difference is double than what we were expected to play, pay at closing. I said, I said, you have to run them numbers again, Doc. What is that? <laughs> run the numbers again. Still how we go back and forth with the owners trying to find a happy medium. Ask for an extension from the lady that's buy, that bought our current home. We say, hey, can you give us till Friday? Can you give us till Monday to get out? In the midst of this, we were planning to close on our new home Thursday, move in Friday. But because the loan amount had changed, by law, we had to wait three extra days, which, drawn, which drew the closing out until Monday, which is tomorrow. But we had to be out of the house by 1 p.m. on Friday. Ask the lady and say, hey, can you give us an extension? This is beyond our control. She responds back in the text to her realtor. She says, I want my keys and my house clean by 1 p.m. on Friday like we agreed to. 
Now, anybody that loves, that knows my wife, she loves the Lord, but she doesn't mind laying hands if need be. So I have to, I have to calm it. I, I remember on the Three Stooges when Curly would get upset, they had to rub his back to bring him down. I said, I said woman of God, calm down. I said, this is her house. Rushing to load the truck up Thursday to be out by 1 p.m. on Friday. I was talking to my prayer partner, Pastor Wendell Williams, this morning. I mean, Wendell Martin this morning. And he said, uh, yeah, yes, sir, Reverend. Yes, sir, I need it. I need all the prayer I can get. He said, he said, Doc, you done, you started celebrating yet? I said, man, no, brother. I said, I'm so tired. I said, I, I, I haven't, I ain't celebrated. I ain't did nothing. I said, I'm just going to wait until I get the keys on Monday and I sign papers. I said, I'm just going to wait until then, and then I shot. He said, man, no, he said, you don't stood before folks and encourage people to praise God in advance and to thank him as if he's already done it. He said, you're not exempt by praising God by faith as if you already got the keys and you've already unlocked the door and that you've already gone in and set up your house. I said, Brother Reverend, I said you bought right. I said, I see myself already unlocking the doors. I see myself already putting my king size bed together. I see myself already sitting outside on the deck doing the prayer call. Paul says, Paul says, I need you to practice deliberate prayer on purpose with Thanksgiving. What are you saying, Pastor Swims? You don't have to wait until you see it to praise him, but you can give God a hallelujah and a thank you, Jesus, in advance. Who am I talking to on this glorious Sunday morning that you're trying to wait until it's manifested before you praise God? I'm going to give you 15 seconds, whatever it may be, school, work, family. I want you to open up your mouth and you praise God as if it's already yours. You praise God as if it's already finished. You open up your mouth and you thank him for your feet walking over. You thank him for the entrance. You thank him. Oh, I can't hear you. I don't believe you. I said open up your mouth and praise him as if it's already done. Oh, you done prayed about it, but you didn't thank him because you were afraid to thank him in advance. But it wouldn't be in advance if it wasn't by faith. Thank him by faith in advance that it's done. Come on, come on. That's it. You get the glory. You get the praise. You get the glory. You get the praise. You get the glory. I don't see it yet, but you get the praise. I don't feel it yet. You get the glory, and you get the praise. It's not in my hands yet. You get the glory, but you get the praise. I don't feel it yet. It's not a feeling. You get the glory, and you get the praise. You get the honor. Paul says, when you put anxiety off, when you practice prayer with purposeful thanksgiving, he says, look at what he says, y'all. I'm about done. I'm about to get out of here. This is as long as we've not been in church all year. Here it is. He says, listen, then per promised peace will be produced. Look at y'all. Y'all missed it. Look at the text. Look at the text. Look at the text. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which extends anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When I keep myself in him, that word guard is a military word where he, he will have soldiers on lock ready. To guard and to protect your peace. We like that, and we, and, and we run to verse 7, but we miss verse 6. Peace and anxiety can't shack up together. If promised peace is going to be produced, I have to put aside 
anxiety. I have to pray with purposeful thanksgiving because otherwise that promised peace is not going to be produced. And praying with thanksgiving is something that we have to make ourselves. It's a sacrifice of praise. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But your peace is being choked out by your anxiety. And you haven't experienced peace, you haven't experienced joy, you haven't experienced excitement because your anxiety is killing. It's killing. It's killing your peace. And today is your opportunity to make that exchange and say, you know what, no more, not another day. Not another day will I rob myself of promised peace that God has for me as his son, as his daughter. That I'm going to rid anxiety as much as I can. I'm going to go face to face with God. I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to be intentional in my thanksgiving. And then and only then will I experience his perfect peace. Well, all right, brethren, get to the end. How, how, how do I apply this to my life? I shared with you last week that it's important for us to acknowledge how we feel, but it's not just enough to be able to acknowledge how we feel, but we also have to name it as well. And this is where Bishop Vashtar McKenzie says that we have to participate in our own deliverance. That there's a job that we have. That when I name, when I name, when I name what my anxiety is, it helps me know my target. I'm reading this book called Managing Leadership Anxiety by uh, Steve Cuss, and he says this simple prayer for us to pray. He says, Jesus died so I don't have to, and then we fill in the blank with whatever. That Jesus died so I don't have to worry anymore. Jesus died so I don't have to be anxious anymore. Jesus died so that I don't have to be robbed of my peace anymore. I acknowledge it, but then I name it, Reverend Goodwin. I, I name it. I name it. So when it pops up, I know what it is. And I know how to take it out. I know how to take it out. Because I'm not going to allow this to become a mode of living for me anymore. I'm not going to wait till tomorrow night when I get in the house to sleep well. I'm going to sleep good tonight. I need it. I'm not going to wait until I sign the papers and get the keys. I'm, I, I, might, I might even ride by the other night and dance in the park and, and, and driveway. Well, I don't want to do it because then they might call the cops and get me arrested and I can't go to closing tomorrow. I don't want to do that. I'm going to look around first and see if somebody look at them and get out there and cut the step. But Jesus died. Suffer, bled, and died. So that our way of living could be different. But here it is. The option is ours. He's not going to force it. Do we want to live in a moment of anxiety or do we want to live free? Do we want to live in a mode where our life is dictated by anxiety? Or do we want to live free? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's in this room and that's watching right now. I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus that you will be the remedy of their anxiety, that you will be the solution to their anxiety, that they will run to you. Abide worry right now, God. I, I pray for peace over our minds right now in the name of Jesus. Let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. I pray. That we will live as if we have a good daddy. That we will talk as if we have a good father.
you that we don't have to live in anxiety or worry. But we can cast all of our cares upon you for you care for us. We thank you right now and we praise you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people said. Come on and clap those hands real good. <laughs>